All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come together. We thank you for just being able to praise and worship you to remember what you've done for us, Lord. And I pray that as I speak the word that you've laid on my heart tonight, that it would just sink deep into our hearts and bear fruit in our lives, Lord. That if mindsets need to be changed, that you would bring revelation from your word, Lord. That we might know you better, that we would know what your word says, and that we would grow in you. Let us come against any distractions, any plan of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that you would send your ministering angels just to surround this place and bring your presence, Lord that your name, Jesus, would be lifted higher. We pray in Jesus' name. And we all said? Amen. Amen. I want to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. I know that that was last week's reading. If you're reading through the New Testament, we're in Luke. And if you want a reading plan, they are down the back. We're in Luke. But I just, uh, as I was waiting on the Lord for the message to, to, um, <laughs> to, to tonight... This just sprang out of me. We call that a rhema word, a living word, when God's word just springs out at you. And uh, so I got a rhema word. And uh, I wanted just to share with you what the Lord laid on my heart and um, just to teach you. I know that a few weeks ago I spoke on angels, and some of you are very excited about that and were listening on, on uh, the uploaded sermon on the internet. And, and I got a lot of feedback about just how cool it was that we have you know, a whole host of heaven there helping us out and just standing with us. And they're ministering spirits to assist us um, who are saved and to reach out and, and they're there to help us out. And tonight I want to talk about the other side because, because you know, as my Bible college lecturer um, so cleverly wrote, he said, before an enemy can be overcome, he must be identified. The more you can learn about his weapons, his strategy, his location and so on, the more likely your victory will be. And the same rule applies to our conflict with the kingdom of darkness. And uh, so I want to talk about that tonight because the Lord really spoke to me and I want to read from chapter 4 of Luke. Now this is the account of Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness and um, if you know the account it's that, well let's just read it from verse 1. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Verse 3. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And verse 9, he says, And then he brought him to the Jerusalem, and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 13 says, And now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now that's the temptation of Jesus in the desert. He'd been there 40 days and the enemy came and he tempted him. And I love how it teaches us that when the devil comes and tries to hassle us, 
that what Jesus did is he just spoke the word of God back at him. So it teaches us that's one of the things we do with our enemy. But what jumped out at me was little two words in verse 13. And if you look with me, if you've got your Bible on your Bible or your gadgets, it says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And the Lord spoke to me about that, that the devil departed from Jesus until an opportune time. And that's what I want to speak about today, is that the devil comes at opportune times. But first... I want to talk about who our enemy is because, you know, some people, they actually don't believe that the devil is real. And you might even have questioned that. So I want to talk about who our enemy is first and then what we do about it and what Jesus has done to him. So is the devil real? Well, lots of educated people and scholars and philosophers and even the Greeks and the Romans, the Sadducees and the Jews, you know, the Jews and some of the Sadducees who are part of the Jewish um, religion, they doubted that there is actually demons and angels. They kind of poo-hooed it, said, oh, you know, it's crazy. And even if you talk to people who are in, in modern day, they'll just say, oh, well, who believes in incantations and demons and spirits? And, you know, modern man is not so superstitious and, and they kind of are very cynical about the spirit realm. Which, you know what? It's just what the devil wants. Because if you don't know who your enemy is, you won't see him coming. Yeah? And you won't understand the stuff that happens around you. And some stuff is in the natural, but other stuff is straight spiritual and from the pit of hell. Yeah? You can smell it. Yeah? And so an educated person, you know, will say, well, what's a demon? And I've actually got family members who don't believe that there is demons. And boy, they get hammered. And it's like, yep, that's where it's coming from. But because they don't believe that there's any such thing, they, don't, they, can, they cannot combat it. They try all the natural means, and the natural means doesn't happen because they're under attack from the enemy. So you've got to deal with the enemy with supernatural means and to claim what Jesus has done. So the devil loves that people don't believe that he exists. <clears throat> um, but there's three things that tell us that we cannot dismiss the existence of the supernatural realm and the existence of the devil. And I want to talk to you about those. The first is the Bible. Demonology is what it's called. It's talked about in the Bible and it is an integral part of our faith. Because without evil, without the devil, there's no need, there would be no need for salvation. Evil came into the world and messed up things and brought sin and we need salvation. So it's an integral part of the salvation message. You know, the serpent in the garden, right at the very start, the devil disguised as a serpent. And then right at the very end of the Bible, so you get Genesis, a serpent. And then right at the end, you get Revelation, you get the dragon. And so the Bible talks a lot about demons. It talks a lot about the devil. And uh, just to be aware who our enemy is. The second is that Jesus talked about the devil. He actually said in 1 John 3, 8, he says, I have come that I might destroy the works of the devil. Now, he came to destroy the works of the devil. That's the whole, pur you know, whole purpose, is to get back what was stolen from mankind. So Jesus, he quite freely you know, corrected people when they had wrong theology, wrong doctrine, wrong thinking. He corrected the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all people all the time. But yet he did not correct or say anything against there actually being the existence of demons. He actually, what did he do? He got rid of them. He cast them out. You know, if they'd come to him, the people, and if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see Jesus casting out demons left, right, and center. Yeah? 
And so it's very apparent that it's very clear teaching about Satan and demons by Jesus, that, they, that he dealt with them. And so if there had been a myth, Jesus would have said, hey, this is a myth. The other thing that we know that Satan does exist is that evil must have its origin somewhere. If we don't believe the devil exists, then we're saying that the origin of all evil comes from the human heart. Now you think about that for a minute. All the terrible stuff that happens in the world, unspeakable things really, that you just don't want to even go there. The things that you see, that humanity has been un so unkind and brutal and callous to one another, and you, th and you think, where would that come from if there was no evil, no root of evil? You say, would it come from just mankind? And if, we are, that, if that's what it is, then we're a truly a depraved race. And yet the Bible says that no, there is hope because there is a devil and Jesus came and dealt with him. So if you think, well, is there a devil? The Bible says there is. Jesus said there was. And boy, if there isn't, we're in trouble because mankind is pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, the, tr the truth is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And I want to talk to you tonight about the strengths and the weaknesses of our foe. So firstly, he is the God of this world. Because people have given worship to the devil, worship to who he is, and they go, you know, and you, and you see that in some cultures where is, is demon worship and, and people really get into the dark side and they seek out darkness. And, and so they, Satan has gained power to bind up their minds. And the Bible talks about that. He has blinded the eyes of people and stopped their ears up and hardened their hearts and so that the people can't see. The God of this age has blinded people's eyes. And so uh, he is the God of this world in the sense of people giving him that credibility and saying, you know, I'm going to get into the dark side. And you just have to meet somebody who's a warlock or a witch, and yes, they do exist, and uh, you'll realise that there is, there is a dark side, that people who actually dabble in the dark arts, and if you know Jesus and you get around them, it's like, there's something not right here. So they actually do exist, and they live in our city, and there's witches' covens and all over the place, and um, so they, they, they are around. The Bible in Ephesians 2.2, 2, let's turn to there, just so you know that the word does talk about. It's Ephesians chapter 2. I want to just lay some groundwork. I don't like talking about, about the devil, and but I want to I give you some groundwork so you know who your enemy is so you can kick his butt. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, uh, and he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you were once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now, walks, who now works in the sons of disobedience. So the Bible actually talks about the devil and demons being the prince of the air. There's my accent catching me up there. A-I-R as in floaty stuff, not air as this. Sorry for my accent for anybody who's not aware of it. Um, but he's called the prince of the air. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. Um, meaning that there is an atmospheric heaven around us and that supernatural realm is up above us and it's around us and there is a battle going on that we often don't see. Now, I talked a couple of weeks ago that there is an angelic host doing warfare against the demons. And that's happening whether you believe it or not. It's happening above and around us all the time. 
And, you know, Daniel talks about in Daniel chapter 10 about how he had to do battle with the prince of Persia. So there was a demon called the prince of Persia over, over where Daniel was and that the angel had to do battle with him. And so there is a supernatural realm and we're praying into that. And so it does exist and that's why he's called the prince of the power of the air because it's happening in the heavenlies around us. Okay? And because of rebellion and sin, the present world has become subject to oppression by the kingdom of darkness. So when sometimes you can actually walk into a place and you'll feel heavy. You'll feel a heaviness. You might walk into a shop. You might walk into a, a building. You might walk down a street and you just feel heaviness. And some of you might be more aware than that of, uh, than others. And, uh, but that's like there is supernatural stuff going on around you. You know, that's why the Bible says that every place in which your foot treads, he has given it to us. Because we need to take authority over that, that oppression, that, that what is happening in the spirit, and because we can. But if you're not aware of what the enemy is doing, you're just going to, oh, it doesn't feel too good here. Oh, well, let's go somewhere else. Yeah? So you, we've got to know who our enemy is and what he's up to, as I said right at the very start. He also, demonic powers, move about the earth through the air, encouraging opposition to God, encouraging opposition to the church, seeking to afflict the church, seeking to, and that's us. The demons are actually out to have a go at us. Poke, poke, have a go. But Ephesians chapter 6 says what it says, to stand and put on the full armour of God that we might stand against the wiles of the devil, the plans and the attacks and the flaming arrows that he fires at you, to stand against them. So yes, the enemy is out there and he's floating around and he whispers in your ear and he, you know, he cannot know your thoughts unless you speak them out. But he can just have a go at you, throw doubt in you, put people across your path who are negative, send people in, you know. And I remember talking um, with somebody and they actually had a warlock who was like a wizard, you know, the male witch, and they, and they got saved and they were in their church and they said that they knew when a Christian was walking down the street because they could see this, actually, you know, because they were moving in the spirit realm, that they could see this light around them and they would go along the street. And they were seeing God on these people as they walked along the street and they knew. They knew who the Christians were. Now, he was a high-up warlock, but he knew where the Christians were. So don't underestimate that God is on you, God is within you, and that there's a demonic realm who is well aware of you. But guess what? You have victory because we have Jesus and I'm going to get to that now. Because the church could be God, called God's secret weapon. Because when, when Jesus died, he'd hang on that cross, the demons and the devil were doing a little whoopy dance. They were like, yes, we've won. We got rid of him. And they thought it was all over. Then he went in the tomb and he was there and, they, and he went to the tomb and like, yes, it's, and then Jesus rose from the dead and he went down to the pit of hell and he went up into the heavenlies and he went all around and he says that he took captive everything that the, that the devil had stolen back in the Garden of Eden and he kicked every demon's butt and he took back the keys. But the devil, when, when Jesus hung on the cross, he thought he'd won. And so now he, he's out to just take anybody who believes and is in the church, he's like, oh no, another one. And when you get out of bed on Monday morning, he's going, oh no, they're up. Don't underestimate that when you put your feet on the floor and you stand up and say, praise the Lord, it's a new day, what do you got me to do? That the demons and the devil, they're going, oh no, Sharon's out of bed. 
Glenn's up. Yeah? Because that is how it is. Because you have the Holy Spirit within you. You, you know, you're seated in heavenly places, the Bible said. You have power and authority within you, and you just got to know who you are in Christ. We hammer it pretty much every week. Know the Word. Know who you are in Christ. Because when you know that, you don't have to worry about all that lot. You just got to know who your enemy is and what he's about and what he tries to do. So when you spot it, you can go, you know what? You're under my feet. You're under my feet because Jesus Christ lives in me. Yeah? So you've got to know what we're, who we're dealing with and what he's about so that you can deal with him. You've got to also understand that Satan does not possess all knowingness. And he was taken by surprise when God chose the church to be the instrument to spread the gospel. He was like, oh, you know, Jesus has gone back to heaven. And then his Peter gets up and starts preaching and gets 3,000 people saved. And the demons are like, oh, no, there's 3,000 of them. I thought we'd finish with this. And then they kept on spreading and the church got filled and it came up here and over here. And he was like running because he does not all knowing. He does not know the plans of God. He does not know when the Holy Spirit speaks to, some, to you about something. He cannot read your thoughts. So he doesn't know everything. So you catch him unawares. And when you speak in tongues, it drives them nuts because it is a heavenly language. And when you speak a heavenly language, they have no idea. And they actually put their fingers in their ears and go, ah! Because you're speaking a godly language. And they don't. And that's why, I tell you what, I have no doubt that that is why there's been so much trouble in the church over tongues, over the move of the Holy Spirit, over healing. All those things. Every time Christians rise up and know who they are in God, Every time they gather and they get in God's word and they are mighty and powerful, that is why the enemy comes against us so much because he's like, look at those Christians over there. They're actually going to kick our butts. Yeah? And that's why the enemy comes and he starts to try and cause division and strife and he sends lies in and all that rubbish. And some of you might have experienced that in church where there's like divisive stuff happening and it's because if we are a united force... God says he commands a blessing, yeah? And nothing will stop the church. It says that in the Bible. It says that, that nothing will stop the church. And the, and the, and the devil knows it. He knows he's on, he's on borrowed time. He doesn't have a lot of time. So his plan is to take as many people out as he can. And he knows the church's plan is to take as many people to heaven as we can, yeah? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's 2 Corinthians. It says we are mighty and we have, we have weapons given to us, mighty in God to pull down strongholds. And uh, some of the things that Taj and I have been doing is spiritual mapping over the city of Coburn and just looking back into the history of Coburn right from the very start when the first people landed and the beach down there. And uh, just some of the stuff that has gone on because spiritual strongholds get, get in over places. And we've been, we've been just wanting to know what the enemy's, enemy's been up to. And we're going to start talking about that in the next few weeks and praying into that in our prayer meetings. But it's like one of the things that we noticed when we started to look at the history is there was a settlement, I think it was called Clarence, that was started. And it was like these people from England came and they had this squire kind of thing, you know, where there'd be one leader and he'd had this nice little house and then there'd be village people all around him. And they thought, yeah, they will just have a lovely country manor on the beach down there in Coogee down there. But it didn't work because people wanted to do their own thing 
and some people got sick and there wasn't enough food. And so the, the township of Clarence actually was a dismal failure. And they either died or went off by themselves or went back home. And so that is actually in the history of the city of Coburn. And so what happened next is the next landing that came in is they went, well, we're not going to do that. We don't want to serve the squire. We're going to go off and do our own thing. And they were not united and they didn't do things together. So it was not a township at all. Now, you think about that in the history of a place where people go off and do their own thing. Do you know the people who live next door to you or across the road? Everybody does their own thing. You have your up and down doors. You go into your carport, doop, down the roller door. And it actually takes a, you know, a considerable effort to walk across the street and say hello to your neighbours. And sometimes they don't want to come out. They'll put their blinds down. And that is in the spiritual DNA of what the enemy planned to cause disconnection and disunity. And so it's very powerful when we stand united as a church and when we stand united with other churches. So when we come together with Red Door on Friday night at Red Door Community Church and we prayed with them, there was a spiritual something broken. And every time we do something together, every time we reach out, every time we pray together, there is something being broken. It says there that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So a stronghold of disunity, the stronghold of being detached from one another as a community, has to be broken. See, because that's, that's one of the things the enemy has tried to do here. See how important it is when you understand the tactics of it and who our enemy is and what he's up to? Because we can go in there and can march and go, right, that's enough of that. Let's go in the opposite. Let's go the opposite. Let's do stuff together, let's pray together, let's reach out, let's reach out to the community, let's have people over into our houses, walk across the street and say hello to your neighbour, get them their mail for them, take in their bin, take them some chocolate at Easter time. We just bless all our street, that crazy noisy family, yeah? But they're getting used to us. You know, we had a street party a couple of years ago, and I think it was two Christmases ago, and uh, people like came from everywhere, all the streets around, and... Um, it was pretty cool, yeah? And that's what we need to do, not just one person, but the church to reach out and build that because that breaks down some of the things that the enemies tried to do. All right, so you can start to see where there are certain things over areas that the enemy has put in place that you've got to break down. So Satan does try to kill, to steal, to destroy, and Christians are not immune from those attacks either. You know, when things are going pear-shaped, yes, we bring things on ourselves. Sometimes we make bad decisions or we've been doing stuff we shouldn't. But you've got to understand John 10.10 says, Jesus came to give you a life and life abundant, but the enemy came to kill, to rob and destroy. That's what the devil says in John chapter 10.10. 10, 10, the, the devil, he was out to, he, to kill and to rob and destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come to give you abundant life. So anywhere where you see, as I've said before, anywhere you see just things, just it's, it stinks. And you go, where is this coming from? Start to ask the Lord, is this coming from, from the, the dark side? Is this coming from things that the enemy is planning? To, even in your own life or your family life or in your school and your university and your workplace, even up and down your street, you'll sense that there are things that are just not right. And as, as Christians, we can pray into that. Yeah? But what I want to get to, so now you've got a little bit of groundwork, I want to talk about opportune times. And I actually experienced this a couple of times this week, and it's been like a little revelation I want to share with you. And I read before 
in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, that the enemy departed. He'll come and tempt you. He'll come and hammer you. He might come and throw some negative thoughts and you'll get back up and go, yep, that's all right. And he'll just step back. And he'll just wait for another time to take a pot shot at you. That's why Ephesians 6 says that you've got to have your armour on. You've got to, you stand in God's armour so that you're able to stand against the enemy's plan. But I want to share to you a couple of times this week so you get an idea of how the enemy works. As I was reading the passage, those words that I said leapt out at me. And, um, you know, he, he waits to attack to attack us where we're weak. Yeah? He attacks us where we're feeling vulnerable, where we have insecurities, where we have fears and worries. That's the opportune time that he goes. You know, when Jesus was praying in the garden and just before he went to be crucified, he was, he was having a hard time. You know, and he was, he actually sweated tears of blood, the Bible says. And he was like, he asked the disciples, you know, a couple of his closest, you know, um, to come and pray with him and wait while he prayed. Because he was like, I need some help here. I know I've got to go to the cross and I'm finding it hard. And he got, you know, that's when the enemy came and he, and he was his opportune time. Because he came and then they mocked him and one of his disciples betrayed him and he that was an opportune time for that, you know, because he stood back, tempted Jesus and the devil, uh, um, you know, in the desert, that didn't work, so he stepped back and he waited and he tried to stop him going to the cross. And he does the same to us as that he waits and he steps back, you'll be in church, yay, you know, get out of church and quite often you'll be in a great meeting, awesome time of God, God's everywhere and you'll go out the door and bang. If you've got kids, you'll know what I'm talking about. Something or just you think all hell's broken loose in your lounge room, in the bathroom, wherever you are with your children. And, uh, or, you know, young people, you might be, oh, you know, Lord, it's so good to serve you. And then you'll just, some temptation will run across your path, some awesome looking, ungodly, but pretty hunky guy, you know. And it's like, oh my goodness. And you'll be, you know, and Jesus is like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it's like the devil just waits for an opportune time. He, he's not necessarily when you're praising the Lord. It'll be it's when they're weak, when your fears, when your insecurities. Anybody ever going to love me? Oh, he might. Yeah. Or when the kids are just like run havoc. <laughs> yeah, that's his opportune time. And he, you know, I have a I have a little a weakness that I'm working on. It's going to be my strength. And um, that I don't like asking for help. And this week, as you know, the Easter festival is coming up. And I sent, you have to send a lot of paperwork, like a lot of paperwork to run an event. And I'd sent it off weeks ago, posted it in the awesome mail, and um, it didn't arrive. So I just happened to ring the council to check on some insurance stuff. And they said, what event? And I'm like... Anyway, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, they said, it's fine, just, we've, you've run an event before, we know who you are, just scan it and uh, email it to me. Well, Philip's not at home and I'm not that technical and I'll admit technology annoys the heck out of me. I'm like, computers are great but they take a lot of time to figure out. And so I was sitting there going, oh my goodness, and it's Ivan's day off and I didn't want to bother him and, uh, and I'm sitting there and I, I needed help. And so I got myself in quite a little upset about having to ask for help and having to be a bother. And I'm out and I'm crying into the washing. And I don't cry 
I'm not a... Am I a crying wife? No, I'm not really. I'm not. I don't usually cry. (laughs) Thank you, dear. I don't cry easily. And um, I'm crying into the washing and the laundry, thinking, what on earth is wrong with me? I don't want to ask for help. Blah, blah. He's going to listen to this on site, but anyway. (laughs) And... um, and I'm standing out there, and, and when I'd read this passage about the devil comes at opportune time, I said, Holy Spirit, just next time, because I'm having a lovely, quiet time early, early that morning, Holy Spirit, next time the enemy comes at an opportune time, let me know. And so I'm standing there, I don't want to ask, blah, blah, blah. And the Holy Spirit just said, opportune time. You just got hit where you're vulnerable, where you don't like to ask for help, where you're feeling insecure, you know, and, and finding it difficult and getting annoyed because you can't do it yourself because I'm kind of independent. And, um, you know, God would say, opportune time. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we got it all sorted out. The council's happy. Easter's still on. It's all good. But uh, it just taught me, you know, the enemy comes where you, you don't expect it sometimes. And he comes where you're feeling weak. He comes where you're vulnerable. He comes where maybe you've had past disappointments in the past and he goes, let's see if we can nail them. Yeah? And that's what Ephesians 6 talks about, the flaming darts. And we have to have our armour up. We have to have, you know, about a truth. Who are you in Christ? Well, I'm okay. I might, I might need some help, but I'm okay. It's all right to ask for help. That's about a truth. The helmet of salvation what protects our thoughts. The shield of faith, that I'm okay in God. Yeah? Because the darts, otherwise, are going to go... They're not going to take you out, necessarily, but they can hit you. Yeah? So I was cool. I was having a... It was okay the rest of the week. And I get to Friday night, the prayer, and I go down to, you know, be the supportive pastor and mum and all those things, and I'm there. And I walk into Red Door. Now, Red Door has been there eight or nine years. They're pretty smicko set up. And I walk in and straight away, bang, I start to feel plebby. I start to feel, oh no, what are we here for and they're here and all that. And it was whisper, whisper, whisper in my ear, just all this negative thought. I go into the toilets, oh look at the toilets are even, you know, all clean and, and, and nice and, and uh, they even smell all right. And, <laughs> and then I go in and, you know, and some of the guys I know already and know for years ago and I was like, oh. <gasps> And I'm getting smaller and smaller and little and little in the inside. And uh, then I started to get a sore stomach and I'm like, I'll just text Philip, I'm saying I'm coming home. And I went into the toilet and I stood there and the Holy Spirit said, opportune time. Bang. So I went, rightio then. So I got myself together. I said, no, it's okay. Told my stomach to settle down. Said, you know, I'm going to praise here. I'm here to do a, I'm here to do something. I'm here to praise the Lord and pray. And I just went out, and that's exactly what I did. I tell you what, it was an awesome night. The presence of God was there. There was unity. There was a presence. There was like, bang. It was great, you know. And it was like, but the enemy had tried to take me out. Yeah, because I got to share with people and talk afterwards and just be a support. And he didn't want me there, so he hit me and whispered and brought up all that stuff that we all know we have, and he hits you where you're weak. He hits you where you're insecure, and he whispers lies to you. Opportune time. Now, in our house at the moment, this is another example, one more, I've been noticing that our children are feral. <laughs> 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 
they have been feral. I love you guys, but you have, yeah, they admit it. But uh, it's like, what is going on? I get, okay to share this for a minute. I'm not going to get personal. <laughs> um, it's all six of them. You've been awesome, dear. But all six of them, it's like I just get one thing settled down and over here. Now, my children are not quiet. Philip and I, they're our kids, so they are noisy and they are expressive and they let you know when they're not happy. Very much. Some more than others. And, and so I just get one thing sorted out and then somebody else is ah, down the hallway and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And... Uh, and, and so I was, I was praying about it, and this has been going on for about a while, a month or so, and I'm praying, I'm like, what is going on? And it was like, the enemy's trying to disturb your peace in your home. You're under attack as a family, and your home is under attack, because when somebody walks into your home, they should feel the presence of the Lord. They should feel peace and tranquility. They should feel the Holy Spirit. And I, why are you all laughing at? It's true. I'm speaking it forth. <laughs> They should feel that. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to have the kitchen all clean and everything tidy, good grief. You know, you just get up at four o'clock in the morning to do that in our house. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you never have to have... What are you doing? You get up at 4.30. <laughs> you know, you don't have to have all the laundry done and anybody who's been in the house knows that it definitely never... It's actually a celebration moment when I get to the bottom of the washing basket. <laughs> But hey, there's nine people in the house, so it's all good. But uh, it's like, but there, there is a certain level of peace there should be. There shouldn't be strife and unrest and you walk in and go, yeah. So an enemy, an enemy has been having a little, little go. And I, so I've sat everybody down one by one and they have been read the, you know, the line. Right, when you fight, you bring strife into the home. Where there is strife, it is the devil's playground. He loves it when you fight. When they have the devil playing around in your house, he's going to bring in, he's going to bring arguments and upset and sickness and all the stinking stuff that he brings in. And so I was like, so you can mess around with other things, but when you mess with this, you're, you've gone too far and our house is not going to be like that. And so I will physically remove you out of the situation until you have sorted yourself out. And it's working. <laughs> Praise God. It takes a lot of energy for it to work, but it is working, isn't it? You awesome children. Yes. Because it's okay to be expressive and it's okay to have... But when it goes to the point of just being constant and a house not being a quiet place ever and always being strife, then there's an issue. You know, it's okay to express yourself even loudly if you want, but it needs to be in the proper, appropriate way. And so where there's not peace... Um, you know, there's no rest and it's hard to hear from God. So it's something that I've gone, okay, there's something going on here and, and you know, just say, you know what, this is my home and I'm going to draw a line and Philip and I have done that. And we're praying and we're praying as a family and it's getting better. But you've got to understand that that's how the enemy works, that he comes at opportune times where you're finding it difficult, where you have troubles in an area, where you might have a, a kid who's, you know, a little bit, going through a phase, and, and just to know, hey, I need to spend some time on this and, and really make sure that there's no place for the enemy to get a foothold and come against the works of the enemy in the, on the opposite. Now, one of the things that the Lord showed me about dealing with our house is uh, 
to love and serve one another. So uh, we have every week on family night, we have a bowl and we all put our names in the bowl and you draw one out and so um, you might get, I get Rebecca. And so for that week I have to do things for Rebecca and, and Rebecca might get somebody else in our house. And we, we, looked, we don't say what we're doing, we just might do the dishes for that person, make their bed for them, um, buy them chocolate. There's a lot of chocolate going around our house at the moment. There's somebody with this... Uh, and and um, Ivan's the chocolate fairy because he just goes around giving everybody chocolate even though they're not his person. But um, it's like, it's, it's, it's doing something and it's starting to bring unity. Yeah, because when there's something going on that's not of God, go the opposite spirit. Serve one another. Encourage them to love one another. And, and it starts to break down things. You know, where you're not unified, do things that are going to change that around. And, um, you know, the, the victory over the devil is freely available. We just have to be listening up to what God is doing. And uh, know that Jesus has conquered everything that the enemy tried to do. He conquered sin and death and sickness and poverty and lack and strife. One of those things he, he dealt with on the cross. And we just have to be aware of where he is trying to work and trying to bring things up and go, you know what? I'm just going to take authority over that. This is my home. These are my kids. This is my family. This is my street. And I'm not going to have that. That looks like something from the pit of hell. So you know what? Jesus, he dealt with that. When he went to the cross, he took away every power and authority that the devil could have. The thing about it is that as a church, we've forgotten or we never knew. And the more we don't read God's word and the more we don't listen up to what God is doing, the more the devil's just going to have fun. So we've got to understand who we are in Christ and know that we have all authority given to us on heaven and earth. That whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose is loosed in heaven. And to know who we are and that you don't have to be afraid. I call him the stinking, you know, stinking devil. And to watch out for that stinking thinking that comes in that you know is not of God. Watch out for the opportune times where you know you're getting hit. Go, where did this come from? Why do I suddenly feel like this? What is that thoughts I'm having? And go, have I just come into an opportune time for the devil to have a go at me? Because he'll come when you're not expecting him. He'll come when you uh, have let your guard down. Now, just as we finished, Ephesians 6, I want, it talks about putting on your armour. And if you've got a pen, write down that scripture. It's Ephesians 6. It talks about your helmet of salvation to protect your thought lights, your breastplate of righteousness, that you are righteous and holy in God. You're about a truth, that you walk in truth. You choose the gospel of peace, that wherever you go, you bring the gospel of peace. You bring peace. You bring the word of God. You pick up your shield of faith, which is your shield to protect you against the flaming darts of the enemy. You pick up the sword of the spirit. I'm out of order, but this is how I remember because it's like you get dressed. Yeah? You pick up your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it does not stay in your little pouch there. You know, you're like a Roman centurion. You know, they would have got taken out. Oh, I've got my shield. You know, and it was only a little round thing sometimes. You know, <laughs> no, it was a big thing, <laughs> big thing. But you know, you've got to have your sword out, and the sword is what? It's God's word. It's God's word, and you've got to have it ready to use. Not just, oh, where's my Bible? Quick, what does it say? When we're reading God's word and we're muttering over it, which is what it means to meditate on God's word, is to mutter over it, think about it. Have it written up on your mirror in the morning. Have it in little, you know, 
when, I, when I'm struggling in an area, I write down all the verses, like if we're having, you know, in the past we've, we've struggled financially, and I'd say, all right, this is not of God. The Lord said, he's my shepherd and I shall not lack. So where I'm lacking, this is not of God. So I would get a scripture, I'd say, Lord, show me a scripture from your word to encourage me. I'd write it down on a little little card and stick it in my pocket. Every time I had a worry thought, every time I was like, how are we going to pay that? I would pull it out and speak God's word. Yeah? And the devil would go, oh. and I'd say, you, you have to be any more than this devil, I'm going to bring get another one. And I'd just hit him again and again and again. I have a stack. And I know him. Yeah? And every now and then I've got to remind myself and I pull him out again because he is my Jehovah Jireh. That is my vacuuming song. When I, when, instead of speaking, oh my goodness, how am I going to pay that? Blah, blah, blah. All the negative things, as you've been learning and Philip's been talking about your words, is we don't speak out those things. If you haven't got anything positive to say, if you've got no words of faith to say, zip it. Because your words are powerful. Life of, the power of life and death is in your tongue, the Bible says. So when we don't have anything positive to say, when we're feeling attacked, when the devil comes at an opportune time and hits you where you're weak, get the vacuum cleaner out. Your wife will love it. You know, get your vacuum cleaner out, put on some music. Do not speak negative stuff because it's powerful what you speak. Instead, pull out your little card and say, thank you, Lord, that you are my Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. If you're feeling sick, say, thank you, Lord, that you are my healer. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes I am healed. Yeah? If you're feeling lonely, say, thank you, Lord, that you're my shepherd. You walk with me. You're always with me, that I'm never alone, that greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. When you're afraid, you say, Lord, I thank you. And Psalm 91 talks about that, that, you know, I rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah? See, the word just comes out of you when you stick it in. Yeah? That he, you know, he gives his angels charge over you, that you will not dash your foot against a stone, that when you acknowledge his name, he says that he will look after you. Yeah? So, if you need to, write it down. Make it plain so you know. Watch out for the devil's attacks. Watch out for opportune times. Be vigilant and diligent not to be influenced by the world's thinking. Don't let the world in. Don't let the world's thinking about, about stuff in because that takes us out of what God is trying to do. Don't be corrupted and... and, and um, you know, the devil, he throws things across our path. And uh, I was teasing the girls, but, you know, sometimes he does throw relationships that are not of him across our path. And, um, and it's good just to watch out for the things that you know just, you know, that's not right for me. Or a TV show or, or a book or, you know, music. And, you know, it can be all great stuff, but some stuff isn't great. Yeah? And it gets in, it gets into your thinking, and it, and it just kind of go, ugh. Yeah? So watch out, be vigilant and stand against the plans of the enemy because he'll come at opportune times. It comes at opportune times. And it says, you know, you're going to have trials and tribulations, Jesus said. And you go, oh, yes, we're going to have trials and tribulations. And people forget the rest of the verse. But it says, but I have overcome them. Which means you have overcome them in him. You, we can do nothing without Jesus, but with him, nothing is impossible. Yes, you're going to have trials and tribulations. Don't forget the rest of the verse. But Jesus has overcome them, and so have we. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you that you are such a mighty, awesome God. I thank you that you have seated us in heavenly places with you. And no matter what the enemy might try and try to do, no matter when he comes at opportune times in our life, I pray 
that especially as we've heard this word tonight, that we would just grab hold of it and recognise attacks for what they are. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us where we are weak, that you would heal us where we have been hurt, so that we might stand strong and that we would not just and be in defensive, that we would be in offensive, and that we would build your kingdom in this place, that we would take ground, that wherever we put our foot, Lord, you've given it to us. As we walk along our street and our workplaces, as we go about our day tomorrow and the rest of the week, that we would know that you are with us, that greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world, and we would take authority. Lord, I pray for peace in our homes for rest in our homes. We come against the strife that the enemy would try to bring. Lord, I pray healing upon bodies. Lord, just um, that you would just touch people's bodies right now in the name of Jesus and bring everything right, everything wholeness over people's bodies in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over the children in our congregation and in our families, Lord, that you would just place your hand upon them, that you would protect them. Lord, that you would set your angels around them. And I just protect them and, and give them rest and peace, Lord. We pray a blessing upon everybody here, Lord. And for those who can't be here tonight, Lord, that you would be with them. And uh, that we would just rejoice in you this week. And rejoice um, that we have all authority in you and we don't have to be afraid. And Lord, we thank you for your ministering angels that are help us out. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Go out and have an awesome week. Know who is with you. And... Uh, We'll see you Tuesday night for prayer or Wednesday at Connect or Friday at Connect or Sunday. Um, Please stay for a coffee and uh, be blessed.